What's up, Overcomers? Welcome to another episode of the Overcoming You podcast. I'm your host, Josh Canuti. If you haven't done so already, please hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, write us a review. We love to hear your feedback as a whole. My guest today is professional MMA fighter Ian Butler. He's been fighting his whole career inside the cage, but he comes on the podcast to talk about his current fight outside of the cage. The fact that he's one of very few professional fighters on the front line being an activist with his actions for the Black Lives Matter movement. And some of the things that he's been doing, some of the organizations that he's connected with and some things that he's talking about has been picked up by some big names, by TMZ, ESPN, huge uh, reporters, Ariel Hawani, and the list goes on and on and on. And not only is he one of the few professional athletes across all sports, he's one of the few professional MMA fighters out there. So it was really cool to sit down and talk with him. Oh, sorry about the audio. It's a little bit muffled and it's a little uh, lower quality than normal, but this message is so important and everything comes through just fine. But these are the kind of conversations that we need to have today, even though they may be a little uncomfortable, especially towards the end, because we had some uh, listener questions come in and they're kind of, we had kind of had our own version of um, uncomfortable conversations with the black man at the end, but it's conversations like this with people like this out there making a difference, not through their just speech or just post on social media, but through their actions. This is how change happens. Being willing to sit down across from somebody, being open, being transparent and say, how can we come to an understanding? How can we how can we move forward together? How can we sit down and seek to understand, not sit down to seek to be right? I love this man's heart. He is, like I said, just one of the few people out there doing things through his actions. So please welcome Mr. Ian Butler. Ian Butler, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on the Overcoming You podcast again. I appreciate it, brother. Hey, no problem, man. No problem. I love your show. And uh, yeah, man. So I'm glad to be born. And uh, you had a couple of my friends on recently. So yeah. WB. So yeah, man. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. Yeah. For those of you that missed, um, Ian's been on the podcast before. And so Ian is a Bellator MMA fighter, super up and coming, knocking people out left and right. But you know, in this crazy time, you've turned from an elite athlete to an elite activist. Yeah, yeah. And it's been really, really cool to see. And one of the things that I was wondering throughout this whole thing is that anytime we have strife in this world, something good comes out of it. You know, yeah, yeah. pressure, diamond, all these things. So I was curious to see kind of what would come out of this from from like a Black Lives Matter, but from like a industrial thing. How are we going to live our life? What kind of cool technology is going to come out? Yeah, but yeah, for sure. Thing that I was getting at is like the cream always rises to the top, and I'm a huge sports fan across all all fields. But MMA in particular is probably one of my favorites. Next yeah, time. yeah, for sure. And you are one of the. It was so surprising to me, and not to put anybody else down because I'm not don't walk in their shoes. But in the MMA kind of community, you are one of few people kind of really becoming standing up for Black Lives Matter. But not only standing up with your words, standing up with your actions. Which yeah. is so so different. Like I said, it's not to put anybody else down, but it's just been really, really cool to see you be out there and be active and really making a difference with your actions and your words both. So it's been really, really cool to see. Thanks, man. Yeah. And um that's one of the things that's actually shocking to me, to be honest. And uh and recently, like I I'm not with Bellator anymore either. So like I'm a free agent and I'm recently talking to the UFC right now. 
So, um, which is cool because it gave me an even a bigger platform to help and share and and to do more stuff for the cause. But I'm I'm actually like really for me being a black person, I'm really appalled <laughs> of what's yeah. going on. Like, um, and I'm a huge sports guy too. I, I remember we talked about like I I, I recently. Like, I'm a lover of Inca tattoos. I just got Kobe Bryant tattooed on my arm, like, you know, and stuff like that. And that's, like, one of my favorite athletes of all time. Um, I, if, if I totally envision me being a commentator or being, like, a reporter on ESPN, you know. Um, and sports is so powerful, you know. Like, in, 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 in the pandemic, you know, um, I think people have gone against or are for, like, the NBA and the other sports coming back, you know. Um and I think the one reason why they've been against it, it's not because of the pandemic, right? It's in the black community is just like, we're going to lose the focus of the cause if they come back and play. But in history, right, some of the biggest activists in the world has been black athletes. If it wasn't for like Jesse Orton and in Olympics when they put the fist up or in my favor, which reason why I'm one of the biggest athletes right now and activists right now. And I got a ton of message from other fighters that I'm just leading the charge in the fight community. But it, it blows my mind, Josh, because my favorite fighter of all time, and I don't even think it matters about race. If you're a fighter, pretty much one of your favorite fighters of all time is going to be Muhammad Ali. For sure. You know? But I think people forget the activist, the huge yeah. activist he was in the world. Like, like, people don't realize that he went to jail and went to prison in his prime and they stripped him away from all his titles because he didn't want to go to war, you know? And one of the biggest things that I think he said, like, cause they're like, why should I go fight the Vietnam? Like they didn't do anything to me, like, you know? But one of the biggest things he did say was like, why should I fight for a country that doesn't even fight for me? You know? And one of the biggest interviews I even seen though too was like, I remember when he won the Olympic gold medal and he beat the Russians, right? And at that time, like, we had so much heat with the Russians and stuff like that and so much conflict. He goes, like, I pretty much kind of just went to war and just won it for America. And I came back with a gold medal. And I went to go eat in a diner. And the waitress says, like, we don't serve Negroes here, you know? And and he just won the Olympic gold medal for the United States, you know? And and But it's it's been more about that, too. Like, it's it's... I have a crazy experience because I'm actually from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm from Ferguson, you know? So I was around when Ferguson happened. And I remember my family members texting me like, are you okay? The ones that lived in California. I'm like, yeah, but um, it's crazy because like, it's been there, done that, honestly, when I talked to my grandma about it. Right. And cause she was around with Rodney King, which is crazy. And I was around with Ferguson, you know? But one of the biggest things that I definitely really wanted to help and stand out because like this cause is bigger than me and it's bigger than you. Like it's, it's all over the world, you know, it's just in the United States. And I think that's the, one of the biggest things that people need to know because when Ferguson happened and I was in, I was in the thick of things of it. You, it, it was crazy because it led outside the United States a little bit. Some people did protests, some people did marches, but it was still in the United States, you know? And one of the biggest things my grandma told me too was when Ronnie King happened, like you couldn't pay a white person to protest with them or to stand in line with them. It was just, it was, it just, it, it was unthought of. Like it was just, they're just like, it, it just never happened. And even with Ferguson, like there was a few whites, but like, 
there have been more people of different color yeah. doing the George Floyd situation and in this situation more than anything. And I think that's what is the biggest civil rights movement in history because not only of people of different color have been standing out, some, t- some protests I see more whites than blacks, to be honest, yeah. in, yep. c- in some cities, which is amazing, you know? Um, but it's all over the world, you yeah. know? And yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know what's what's interesting? So the thing for me is that this George Floyd thing really I feel was like a tipping point. And it happened in in my life and in my conscious because I started looking at things a little bit different um in my own ways. Now I right. I don't want to sound like I'm sitting there patting myself on the back. I've just I don't I've never been racist. You know me well enough, my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just not that type of person. But then right. Looking into this further and kind of the fact that that guy put his ne- his knee on that guy's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds, it just was so shocking mm-hmm. to look into it. And then you start to think about things that you did in your, your life or that I did in my life. And like, wait a minute. Oh, I was looking at that totally, totally freaking different, totally wrong. So it's been cool because it's been like a time where I can be, and it's not to placate to you or pander to you, but it's yeah, time yeah. like, wow, I was looking at things wrong or wow, I was using words or language or vocabulary that it didn't mean any harm, but the, the subtext behind it could be seen, could be construed as very not cool. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think it's a time that like some people just get it all of a sudden, like, I don't know what's going on yeah. or maybe the pandemic or something just woke them up. But I think it's finally all of a sudden out of, out of the clear blue, every, a lot of people from different colors are just like, Oh, we finally get it. Yeah. You know, because they didn't get it when it was Rodney King. They didn't get it when it was Ferguson. They didn't get it like back then and all the other issues. But for some reason, everybody's like, we finally get it. And not only that, but people are actually getting punished for the bad actions that they did. Because like I, I've been in situations that I couldn't speak out of. Like when I was at a brand and they called me like Black Ian for jokes because there was two Ians and they called me Black Ian. Like, what am I supposed to do as an athlete? Because that's one of the biggest sponsors that I have. If I speak out, like, I might get cut. Or yeah. for NFL players, right? It's like, you have a white owner in an NFL team. I get paid millions of dollars. If I speak out about something like, or Colin Kaepernick, what if I don't get hired again? Sure. But I think it's a very special time. People call it crazy time. But I think it's a very special time that you can actually speak and people are actually listening. Yeah. And people are actually getting punished for bad actions, you know, and stuff like that. And then... That's why I have to educate because, like, I have a mom on the white side and a family member on the other side. And doing this whole stuff, a lot of them have messaged me and apologized and checked and see how I was doing, you know. And and one of my aunts said, like, well, I was like, I couldn't – at this time, I couldn't even walk my dog at night because there's a police officer that comes up and down the street and patrolling the neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. Which he's technically doing a good thing, but – and then it was a time that we had curfew. So I was like, I can't walk my dog out at night. And I had to explain to my wife, who's Japanese and half German, like, and I had to actually go into context of uncomfortable conversations of this is the reason why, you know? And my aunt's like, but you're a good person. Why can't you just talk to the cops? I was like, hey, George Floyd said that I couldn't breathe for like eight minutes and 45 seconds. You don't think he was trying to talk to the cop when he was getting killed? Like, that's, that's the issue right now. Yep. And I think that's the, that's the thing that people are finally realizing, you know? Yeah, I'll I'll be transparent and I'll for you and for the listeners. So I'll let you know something that I that I realized about myself that I was I didn't realize it. So 
I, I equate two very big, um, two people in my life that don't know that they had a massive impact on my life. I look at that now, especially through George Floyd. One is a guy that I went to uh, grade school with. Actually, I started in preschool with him. So I'm 38 years now. So probably when you're three, four years old. So I've known him for 33, 35 years. A black guy, Aaron Yarnell. And then another guy, Frankie Morales, the first homosexual or first gay guy that I ever met. Mm-hmm. And as I grew up with them, they, because they were such good people, I didn't, I, every single person that, that I looked at, it, whether it be black, whether it be brown, Asian, doesn't make a difference, or whether it be gay, straight, trans, lesbian, I just looked at them as human beings because I was like, this guy I grew up with is awesome. This right. other guy is awesome. So I don't see anything different. So that's something for the listeners going through is individuals like yourself or individuals, no matter who you are, whether you're white, doesn't make a difference. If you're cool to everybody, you're going to affect someone's life for the rest of their life. Yeah, yeah. If those two people would have been jerks or dicks or like messed me up or something, I may have a racial undertone or I may have a bias against gay people or something like that. But yeah. those two people were awesome to me. I've been awesome to all of them around. And the other thing, so kind of the realization that I had, so going back to Aaron Yarnell, this guy that I've known my whole entire life, he's, he's black, but I used to say these things all the time and I didn't realize it. Once again, I've known this guy for 35 years, but it makes yep. me feel uncomfortable realizing what I was doing. I used to always tell him, I was like, well, let me set the stage so kind of who he is. He's a all-star um, athlete. He okay. was um, varsity his freshman year on every single thing that he did. He has multiple degrees. He does security for um, like Pfizer and Lockheed Martin, the gun um, oh, no, place. The guy is a genius amongst geniuses. Yeah. And he's real, and he's good looking. He was a model, and he's an athlete. So basically, everything that, that I hate, everything that I'm not, he is. <laughs> everything I'm not that he is. Got it. <laughs> when growing up, I used to always say, especially after we got out of high school and college, I used to always go, "Aaron, you are the whitest black guy that I know," because he didn't talk mm-hmm. black. Because he didn't talk like I saw in in the movies, or he didn't talk like the hip hop guys that I listened yeah. to. And I was like, "Oh, you're so you're the whitest black guy that I ever met." And I'm like, "Granted." I've known, like I said, I've known 35 years. He knows I don't mean it wrong, but the thought process is incorrect in my brain. Meaning just because you're black, you have to be a certain way. It yeah. is so absurd because I would never say that to anybody else ever. Yeah. yeah. Such a realization. I was like, that was a cool thing for me. It makes me sound not, not good, but it was a good learning for me. And then made me dig in deeper going, oh, what else am I doing that I'm not aware of? It's funny you said that because... I got told that a lot, right? And it, it it's uh it's crazy because uh some people that even told me that, like, cause I'm like a huge movement and leader in the, in the black rights community right now, right? Yeah. And um but the person I believe was really woke before I was was my doctor mom Katie. And mm-hmm. she was the one that like, hey, like I'm not trying to change who you are. I'm just trying to tell you facts that's going to help you out in your life in the long run, right? About talking this way, doing that way. Like, it's, don't get me wrong. Like, my brothers are from Texas, and they had a different lifestyle than I do. And I talk a certain way when I'm around them, right? Like, and I think there's, like, a certain place in time. And I really believe that I have gotten that far because of that, right? Um, And it's funny. So I talked to my friend named Sweet Tea. That's her nickname, and and she's an amazing person. She's adopted by two white families from Canada back in the 70s when it was, like, completely unknown, when social workers told her that you shouldn't adopt her because she was too dark. 
you know. <clears throat> she was an all-star soccer player. And um, she just decided to just do wrestling one year. And she went to the Olympic training center and, and went to the Olympic trials, you know. Mm-hmm. And she's a lot older than me. And she describes talking white as in the black community as she calls it talking privilege, you know, oh, like privileged, you know, and she goes like, yeah, we have to talk that way so we can get certain jobs. And, 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 you know, like, I, I think I climbed up the ranks because I had a good image and I'm a good person, but mm-hmm. I also believe because I talk privilege too. And my name is Ian though, too. And it's something that my mom told me that, she goes, like, you're really lucky that, like, your name's not Jamal or Tyrone, like, and, and I'm extremely proud of my Black heritage, too, and she always made me do Black History Month every February, too. Like, she's like, you should be proud of where you come from, but she just educated me and schooled me of, you're going to get a lot further in life by talking this way. She's like, when you're friends and stuff like that, that's just you, you know, but hey, like, when it, talks, when it comes to job interviews and stuff like that, you have to talk a certain way. You know, and and that's just I think that's just life, you know, and and one of the big things I seen was a picture of like it was a white couple talking to their kids about the birds and the bees. Mm -hmm. And then it was a black couple talking to their parents, talking to their kids about the guns and police. Right. And I think talking privilege is in that conversation, too, you know, because back in st louis we have a lot of we have a lot of medical good colleges right we have SLU, we have wash all that stuff i used to go there when i was little back with my biological mom just because like it was cheap to go to get stuff done recently they came out and said that they're charging and trying to find out the person that they threw away over 50 applications of ghetto sounding names in the trash can so like what is ghetto sounding names to me it was it was black names which you totally took away opportunities of people that were overqualified than some of the people you did hire and a person that can probably fix the coronavirus and stuff like that because they had ghetto signing names right but when people say that like oh you talk white or like oh your name's like not like oh your name's ian and not jamal like these is this is the reason why yeah it's because of systematic racism i want to kind of dive into kind of what you've been doing and kind of some of the activist things that you've been going on. Cause like I said, in the beginning, you're one of the few athletes, definitely one of the few, maybe one of three in the MMA community, but one of the few athletes overall doing anything really out there. But yeah. not only that, so you're out there in ESPN and TMZ and Ariel yeah. and all these big places are kind of picking you up. So that's really good. Cause I'm, I'm glad that your message and your, your heart is getting out there. Yeah. Then here you have somebody just trying to do something good, which is the right thing. And then you and your wife are down in Huntington Beach. Yeah. And what happens down there? Tell the people what happened down there. So like she, she, hurt my heart. she really, she really wanted the protest, you know, because like, and like I said, we've been having conversations of like, she's taking a dog at a night, stuff like that, just because of certain things about police brutality and stuff like that. And she goes like, well, like, being black is a part of her because like we're married. Right. And she really wanted to go out and protest, which she really can't because of the pandemic because she's type one diabetes. Right. So she's a high risk. And, um, she's also an artist too. Like that's what she went to school for, you know? Um, and she drew the fist, right. And she drew the black life matters and she made copy and she goes like, well, I told her stories about Huntington beach back in the day that it's not too, black friendly of any color at all and and um 
And even though it's a good city, because we live in Costa Mesa and we live, we live right next door and it's completely different, you know? Yeah. Um, and she goes, I'm going to put up all these signs in Huntington Beach. Like, that's good. That's going to be my cause. And she ran into a Black Lives Matter rally that helped her put up the signs. But she also ran into like a KKK Donald Trump rally, too. You know, and that's when they start snatching the signs out her hand and being very disrespectful. And her growing up in Pasadena and stuff like that. And and uh, and she sees some of the videos of people doing harmful things. But it's the first time she actually seen that stuff like right in front of her eyes. Like there's people that really hate people of different color or people that really hate people that are gay or sexual ethnicity, like, you know, for like no reason that they're like probably just raised on, you know? And that's when she just broke down crying, you know? And I knew they're probably gonna definitely take the signs down, like for sure. So I was like, I need to do something bigger than that. So that's when I took her, the sign and made the shirts and made the mask. And I start blasting it out about like, hey, like, this is what we can do to help the black community in these times. Like, and all the proceeds went to NAACP and Color Change, you know. And then I recently just made one for for black trans because I didn't know they can, a lot of them get killed every single day. Like, you know, and, and, uh, and, and honestly, like being gay in America is really hard, right? Like they, they recently just got permission to get married, which is crazy. And even in the Black community, like, being Black in America is hard. Now, being Black and gay in America, like, it's... Yeah, it's a different level. It's, it's a diff- and that's a different story that, like, I can't really speak on. And 10 times harder. That's one thing that I never, never understood. I don't understand how anybody that want. I don't understand how you can say no to love. Whatever it is. What do, Are you kidding me? Love is the best thing on the face of the planet in the universe that heals virtually no. everything. And two people just want to ha- want to share. No. Love. I don't no. care what they are. I don't care who they are. And you want to say no. I know. I know. I know. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. And then, and then talking to my boy, Sean, that that's a great writer and publisher. And, and he works for team Z, you know, like, and um, I didn't even know, like there's gay racist people out there too, which I, there's just some stuff in life. I would just not understand. I equate it to like, yeah. man, I, I, I like magic, but I just won't understand it, right? Like I, you can show me a magic trick and I just think that is magic, you know? If you flew in the air, I was, I was just like, well, he's just Jesus. He's the second coming of Christ, right? Yeah, come on, we get now, this now being gay and racist, which actually happens, that's just something I don't understand because like you should know what oppression is yeah, for sure. You know, and honestly, like even a woman, right? Like you guys had to actually get permission to vote. Yeah. Stuff like that. And look at America. Like a lot of the guys are CEOs and business owners. Like there's not a lot of women CEOs out there and stuff like that. And, and you're not making the same salary. Like that's for a reason, you know, like, so like it blows my mind how people can just, just hate just to hate, you know, and, and, and racism isn't born. It is definitely taught. Yes. Yeah, man. And it's just something that just has to stop. Like, and so I've been getting a lot of message from the fight community of just like, Ian, keep doing your thing. Keep leading, you know? Um, also I've been getting a lot of hate mail too. Some I actually talk to because you have to, some of those, like you want to be mad and stuff like that. You just have to talk to open arms, have uncomfortable conversations. Some of them have said, thanks. Thanks for educating me. And some just, just want to hang me from a tree probably, you know? And, and that's just it. Yeah. You know? So 
I want to get to this uncomfortable conversations because I, I told you before, I have some things that I'm excited to ask you anyway. Yeah. So you have, um, you have these shirts. It has the fist. I've seen it on your Instagram, seen it on your social media. I got one. I'm going to order one right after this. So I'll <laughs> there. you have shirts, you have a face mask. And mm -hmm. then one thing that I did want to ask, cause I had to actually look up, everyone's very familiar with um, the NAACP, but mm -hmm. can you speak a little bit to the other organizations? The, um, the chain. Yeah. Because yeah, let me reiterate to the listeners that every single dime that is done through that, it goes straight to them. This is not a, this is not a Ian, let me get in front of the camera. Let me do something because I, like he said before, congratulated, but he's always been also been hated through this thing. So it's not yeah, the yeah. easiest thing for you to do, either, <laughs> yeah. but it's not for profit. So I want to make sure everyone know, knows that, which is nothing. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And then color change is a very good organization that uh, helps. I, I think in this time, like, I mean, obviously I think a lot of people know what NAACP is, you know, from like the black groups, but I, it's, I think it's really important for these times. Like I had to educate like my white aunt about this, about like, I can't talk to the cops because it's fear base why we can't talk to the cops and police brutality and they're killing us right and um i had to explain that every time a cop gets behind me my heart sinks in my chest right like it's it's not a protection thing for us and that's something that has to change right um if somebody broke in my house or something like that that's i'm not calling the cops and that's something that needs to change and color change is something that's actually trying to help with that, with actually get out people that's going to help educate people about the situation that's going on. And the key thing that's very powerful, it's the world, is the word change. It's the word change, right? That's exactly what it is. Like, it's actually putting people that's actually like, hey, like, we need to educate people and go into these low-income neighborhoods and get you to go out and vote and stuff like that. Because, like, I think people just vote on just parties of, like, Democrat, Republican, stuff like that. But a lot of people don't even know, like, there's there's a movie done by Spike Lee called Black Klansman. It's a really good movie. And it talked about the leader, Dave Duke, the leader of the KKK that was actually a KKK knight. And a lot of people don't even know, like, he has a seat in the Senate for Louisiana. So a lot of these lawmakers, right, there's a reason why the KKK members wear masks and hoods and stuff like that. And be like, oh, like, you see David last week at the KKK uh, cross burning? Like, he had a mask on. He took it off briefly. Like, yeah. a lot of people are mayors and stuff like that. So it's actually bringing awareness and educating. That's that's what the organization yeah. is. You know? That's one thing that I think a lot of our – how old are you? I'm 30 now. Yeah. 30 now. So, yeah. I'm, so we're pretty close in age. But our age group, give or take five, ten years, top of bottom, does make a difference. I think a lot of people – get into this thought process of like, they don't understand the, the history of things. They don't understand that, you know, David Duke has a seat on it. And there's an amazing example of this. And I researched this topic heavily, even way before this conversation, right when this whole thing started, because I was like, like I said before, it, I did have an awakening uh, of myself. And so I was right, like, yeah. I want to go into this a little bit further. So there's this thing, have you heard of redlining? What that is? I heard of it before. Uh, There's a couple of things. So this one here, this is the thing that when you think about, when you have that thought process or people our age have the thought process, like, well, just get up and get a job. Or like, I don't understand what the big deal is. Just stop hurting people. Just start, stop killing people. It's like, you yeah. don't understand. This has been hundreds of years of yeah. oppression yeah, over, yeah. over and 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 over. And then finally something fucking breaks. Finally something fucking gives. 
But this thing here was the most egregious thing, and it stems throughout every fucking thing in the United States. It's this thing called redlining. So what redlining was is back in the 1930s, right before the Depression, everybody's fucking poor, right? Right. Everybody's poor. Everybody's dirt poor. You basically have a half of a percent of people that have a dollar to their name or whatever. Everybody else is poor. It doesn't make a difference. White, black, Asian doesn't make a difference. The president at the time goes, oh, let's start the, the New Deal. Everyone's heard of the New Deal. And that basically started with um, building houses, basically up rows, And we have kind of like a middle middle class. Oh, so he started in there. So he started this organization. It's called the Home Owners Loan Corporation. Okay. And that was to give loans out through the banks for individuals to have a home and kind okay. of start your life, kind of help them out. And basically, the government said for simplicity terms of this podcast, basically said, hey, let's get this, let's get this country going. Let's get this country up and running. Give loans to everybody. Everybody's good for it. We're going to start building jobs. Because more, more houses that were made were more contracting jobs, were more carpet jobs, were more gotcha. lawn jobs, yep. jobs, all these things. Would cruise The government said basically, we will subsidize it for all of you. Just give out the loans. We got your back, except for black people. Yeah, and that's where this redlining thing came in. So that homeowners loan corporation turned into the Federal Housing Administration, and they did what's called redlining. So they would go and. Keep in mind, it's 1930. So this, the civil rights hasn't even happened. So people are still segregated. Right. I can't drink at the same, out of the same fountain. So it's white homes, black homes. Right. And these organizations and these banks would redline, outline these spots where African-Americans were, where black people were and say, basically you can't give home loans to those people because we don't value those homes um, valuable. And actually they put a price on this 25% lower than mm -hmm. the homes right across the street. And actually, Here's a, an exact quote from the documentation for the banks to give loans out. It's in Title III, Section G of the handbook. It says, prohibitation of occupancy for properties except by the race in which it was intended. Meaning, if I build these white homes, I cannot, Ian, you cannot get it. Yeah. Even if you are Duke Ellington, one of the premier yeah. musicians at that time, richer than hell, could not get a white home. And then you go, okay, so if you're listening to this, if you're, you're one of the listeners listening to this podcast, you go, Josh, that's 1930s. What does it matter? You know, it's a long time ago, yada, yada, yada. Well, let's take this kind of down a little bit further. Yeah. In all of those places, in all those redlining places, the values of the homes were 25% lower. And then that rose crime in those areas, mm -hmm. to other factors. And so now you have insurance companies that you need insurance where your premiums are higher. Your interest rates are higher because you're perceived as a higher risk. Yeah. And you go, okay, but that's just housing. What does that have to do with raising people? Like, just go, just go out there and get an education. Let's take this a little bit further. <laughs> Where does education get their money from? They get yeah. property taxes. If nobody has a home, nobody's paying property taxes, everybody's renting, you are not getting educational funding. You don't get educational funding organizations, the high schools, the middle schools, they start to crumble. You start to have brown water come out. You don't have, you don't have qualified teachers. Teachers don't want to teach there because they don't have the school supplies. And all this stuff is this systematic whirlwind spiral, 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 you know, and this, these little tiny things that seem so innocuous and so, oh, that's so long ago. It's been a hundred years of no educational money because of these redlining things, because of all these other things in that. And because then you have education lowers and then people don't get a good education. So you drop out, you drop out, you yep. 
this, you go to that. It's a fucking systematic. It is horseshit, and it's yeah. so irritating because it has been a hundreds of years of this, and people think that it's just, just Ian, just shut up and just, just shut up and dribble. That's right. Have a shit. That's right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Such a bigger issue than this right now. It's all yeah. that stuff before. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, like I, I think, like it's it's all of a sudden people just woke up and be like, "Oh, this is fucking wrong." Yeah, right. Like all of a sudden, this is wrong. Like, and I, I think it's more powerful because like it happened in a pandemic, and all of a sudden, like when you see all these marches, people are just like fuck Corona, you know, bigger. And don't me wrong, I have people that I'm really close to that's really scared of it, like and stuff like that. And even still, I'm I am too, right? But yeah. they're like, man, but why are they out there marching? Like, what about the pandemic? I was like, dude, what about the pandemic that happened for like over 400 years yeah. of slavery and everything else? Like, this is bigger than the coronavirus, man. Like, you know, and I, and I think it's also too, like, it's also the digestive system of the law of like, because black people just get a bad rap of like, oh, black fathers are not around. It's because like, hey, like, I can't get a job. So I got to support my family. I got to go do this. And then... When they get locked up, you give them like a probation period that you think you're doing them a favor for like five years. And yeah. even if you get a simple parking ticket, you're gone. And then that's that's why like single mothers in the black communities is it's very often like you know like it's it's it just happens yeah. you know. So like it's yeah man yeah, but it has to stop. Like I I think they honestly have to just break down the system and everything should just be equal. Yeah. Like you know like and 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 not to prop you and I up on this pedestal, but I think these conversations and this type of interaction is where things really start to change. Because now when I'm having conversations in my spirit of influence, in mm-hmm. my full circle, I'm able to, to give a different view. I'm able to talk about the, this redlining when I have friends that have said those things that I just said to you, like, I don't understand. Why don't they just so, go get a job, you know, janitoring or something like that? Like, Motherfucker, you don't understand. This is yeah, no. so much bigger than just this little tiny myopic focus view of these last two years, last three months, or whatever. Yeah. These yeah, conversations, yeah. I think, really, really help. And the more yeah. you encounter and the more um, we can have allies of, of groups out there doing activists or being activists, I think that's where change happens. Change happens from the bottom up, not from the top down sometimes. You said it, you know, like you got to have these conversations and systematic and then police officers they got it they got to change everything too like because i explained to my friend too like well but like black people are like getting robbed and like they go to jail a lot i'm like bro i've been to jail three times and i've been innocent and in all three because i told him being black in america for the law is guilty and to be proven innocent that's how we see it <laughs> and that's just the way it is right like it's it's the opposite yeah, it was the opposite, you know, and you want to know why we're superior athletes? Like, because we have to do that to make it out of these bad neighborhoods to get an education yeah. to move to a good neighborhood. Like that's, that's how I got into college was being an athlete. Like, and yeah. I mean, I, I took care of my schoolwork and stuff like that, but I had no choice, man. Like, you know, like it's like, it is what it is. It's just been this hundreds of years of, kind of an oppressed people in it, not just black people. We talk about women, we talk about homosexuals, yeah. but just in this conversation with you, but hundreds of years of black people, you know, back in the 1800s, you guys go, Hey, 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 what the heck? What the heck? 
you know, the 1930. Hey, hey, what's this red line? Hey, guys, 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 1968. Hey, let's march, march. Oh, what are you guys marching for? Hey, 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 what the heck? What the heck? You know, Colin Kaepernick, but kneeling. What are you kneeling at, at our flag for? All these little tiny things kind of going, hey, 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 hey. Yeah, so, that, cra- that, cra- that cracks me up, like, when Colin Kaepernick kneeled, like, and they're like, they're disrespecting the flag, but, like, in the independence, like, in the song, like, it says liberty and justice for all, right? But there's no li- there's no justice for all for us, and there's not there's no equality for us. Like, and we're supposed to be in a free country, but like we honestly like do not feel like we're free to be honest. Yeah. You know, and and then because I had people that hit me up about like, but you guys are burning down stuff and stuff like that, and I'm like, they just think that I just tell black people to just do that. Like, I didn't do that. I didn't tell them to do that. Right. But at the same time, like, but you guys say just shut up and dribble, and when Colin Kaepernick takes a knee. They're like, oh, he's just taking a knee. That's so disrespectful. I'm like, oh, okay. So you don't want to hear us when we peacefully protest. Right. So let's just burn shit and stuff like that. And then all, then all of a sudden, like, oh, they're burning shit and stuff like that. But that's the only thing that would get you guys to listen. But here's <laughs> you know? the thing like, with the Colin Kaepernick, because once the whole thing, you know, you saw those those kneeling pictures, like which, which knee is, is better, the George Floyd or the Colin Kaepernick? And so I was like, let me look into that a little bit more. And so here's what I'm sure you probably know, but here everyone listening probably doesn't know is that Colin Kaepernick originally was sitting down on the bench, uh, sitting on the bench. And then this Navy SEAL, white Navy SEAL came up to him and they had a calm, cool, collective dialogue. Mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick said, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is kind of what I'm thinking. And he goes, he goes, you know what? I appreciate that. I value that. I, I would say that you sitting down, it, I got to be honest, does rub me the wrong way. And he goes, well, how would you want? How would you want me to do that? He goes, you know what? I would feel like it would be more honorable if you kneel down. And he goes, why? And he goes, because as a navy, as a navy seal, and everybody in the armed forces, when a brother falls, we put one knee down, and so it's a symbolization. So that was like so more heartfelt of, yeah. a, of a gesture to do it too. But, so but people but don't, don't want to listen. People don't want to listen to that. People don't want to listen to this. Everyone just wants to go. You're disrespecting, disrespecting yeah. the flag. I don't care what you do, dude. You protest however you want, but not when that fucking flag's up. And hey, I understand that, but look into it deeper. You see that yeah. I went multiple levels deep on how to figure out the best possible way, the most honorable, the most cohesive way to protest. But it's the thing that that's why these conversations, I'll say it again, are so important because we can bring light to this type of stuff. So because I didn't know that before, now I have even more respect for the guy yeah. to do that. Yeah, because I mean, Josh, to be honest, like I'm not standing for the flag until things get fixed. Like it's it's and 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 I'm an athlete, so like they play the national anthem like all the time. Like I'm not standing until things get fixed. You know, like I and then Fourth of July was just like oh, it's just a barbecue day to me. Like I I probably celebrate it more for Juneteenth than I ever did for Fourth of July. You know, oh. um, and I and I. But I think we're almost on on the right track because, like, people people like don't realize like there's protests every single day. And what makes me proud is people are are buying my shirts. Like they're protesting with my shirts on every single day. And because I, I some people that make that are really uncomfortable and they want to turn a blind eye and and they want to use the flag for. They want to hide and use the flag as a blindfold of the issues that are going on right now, right? And 
you just need to have a conversation, talk about it. And because a lot of people are getting exposed right now, Josh, which is an amazing thing. You know, like I have a lot of friends that not even friends anymore that I won't even talk to nowadays. Like I had somebody at my wedding that was on CNN, like leading the KKK thing in Huntington Beach saying fuck Black Lives Matter because I had to explain to my father-in-law, I'm like, well, they're just low-key racist. Like, and he goes, well, what's low-key racist? I'm like, those are the same people that claim that they have a black friend or my sister dated a black guy and it gives you the right to say anything that you want, you know? But, and, and they're not also going to say, but I'm not racist, but this, this, and this, and this, you know? Like, like I it's... have a good point because I think another thing to think about is that low-key racist, and this, is, this rubs people the wrong way, but it's, it's a, a, the truth is the low-key racist is individuals. If I have people over to my house this Saturday for the UFC fights and right. one of my friends says something inappropriate and I don't stand up, it doesn't fly in my house. But if I don't stand up, I'm allowing that to happen. That is kind of a low-key racist. So having yeah. the guts, the balls, gumption to stand up when you see the wrong thing happening in your immediate spirit of influence, when nobody's looking, when you don't get to be on social media or be on doing the right thing when no one's looking is the right thing. But when you just let it go, that's a form of kind of low key racism, a form of like just letting it go. And yeah. that's one thing that I've taken into my life is that I'm not allowing things like that to go. I'm not looking to fight you, but I'm going to have yeah. a conversation. Why do, what do you mean by that? Explain yeah. that. You have to, you have to, you have to start. I think people are getting checked and that's, that's what's going to yeah. stop this divide of people and, and also too, like, cause my boy Bobby Maximus said that like, when you let stuff go, like he's a former cop, mm-hmm. he's been cutting, he's been cutting cops on blast. So he's been getting a lot of hate mail because I have a story. Like I know the chief of police back in St. Louis and this will tie in with Bobby. Right. And he's a great guy. And I knew him for months on months by training at the same gym. Didn't know he's a cop until I seen him out and I seen a badge and I'm like, Oh, well, I, I, I didn't fucking know. And he goes like, I didn't want to tell you because I wanted you to be my friend. This is before Ferguson, wow. you know, yeah. like so he knows the deep root of that. Right. Bobby is a big fitness guy now and he leads on unhealth and fitness and has a lot of followers now. So I was like, Bobby, like, let me ask you a question. Why did you quit the police force? You also fought in the UFC. Did you, did you quit because of that? And he goes like, well, honestly, like, I really want to make an impact in people's lives. As a cop, you only probably go on five or six calls a day. I can only make an impact five or six times while I'm on duty. Dude, being a cop is a brotherhood, right? So if somebody does something bad, a lot of people turn a blind eye. He goes, there's a lot of bad cops out there that I probably punch in the face on duty. He's like, so I don't feel bad for what these bad cops are doing. He goes, I also don't feel bad for the good cops either. Because if you're a good cop and you turn a bad eye, like that makes you a fucking bad cop too. Yep. You know? So there's something that has to change the police force. So Scott being the chief of police, right? He's the head of it because there's a lot of police officers that are dirty cops that like, Hey, if you tell on somebody, you could be accidentally shot in arm of fire, right? right? By your own person that's in, that's wearing the same uniform. He's, Scott's such a good cop that like, but it has to come from above, right? It can't just be a regular cop. Like he's a chief, so he can see people, a character and be like, you got to fucking go. There needs to be a change in that too, you know? And just like you said with your friend, right? 
you had a gay friend, you had a black friend that made good impressions of your life that probably made you look at the world differently when you come into different people of color or different people that are gay, right? Yep. So my first run-in with the police was when they took him away from my family when I was living in a homeless home. Mm. It's a bad impression, right? Sure. And then when I was in middle school, I got pulled over. I was like, what did I do? I was terrified. I'm in middle school. They're like, where were you last night? I'm like, at home doing homework because I'm in fucking middle school. Yeah, there was a shooting at the gas station. The person died. I'm like, what's the description? He's like, he was black. <laughs> there was a down. That's it. But that's always the way it is, right? So I had a negative person of police since I was a little kid, stuff like that, like you said. Now you wonder why we're so scared of the police. So that one bad cop making negative impression on kids. And every time I talk to my friend, they always run like, dude, this cop did this, this cop did that. Everybody wants to wonder why we're terrified of the police and we don't want to call them, don't want to interact. It's because of that. Like this, we had run in since we were little, right? And people like, it breaks my heart. Like when people see like kids and like now kids are like running when they see a cop come by, they just put their hands up. Right. Yeah. And they just cry. Or one kid was playing basketball and he hid behind a car. Right? Oh, all that, that broke my heart. But that's, that's, that's the reason why. Yeah. That's the reason why we need to make change. Like change is such a big word for me. And that's when a lot of people I've seen on my social media, I have, I started the foundation fight for change because I'm a fighter. So we'll also believe like you have to fight for what you believe in and stuff like that. And change is such a big word, you know, and, and, Obama obviously used it for his presidency of coming to America, like, and, and making America great. Well, I should say making America great again, because that's Donald Trump. But, like, he really changed a lot of stuff. And, and that word change is huge. So if you want to make changes, it's, you have to do research and, and test and look at people's character when you put somebody in office. And then look at the police force of who's your leader at the police force, honestly, and stuff like that. Because I have heard many stories of... Scott's just like, hey, like, I know people come from low income, like people like, and if I give them a ticket for their busting taillight, they might not be able to fucking eat next week for paying for that ticket and stuff like that. I'm like, hey, get it fixed on your time. Like, you're not really breaking the law, stuff like that. You know, like it's, there needs to be changes deeply inside the system. Yeah. You know, so. Well, buddy, I know we're kind of cruising up on time, but I was talking before, I put out some questions to followers and I want to kind of have a conversation. And so I have some questions and they may seem outlandish or they may come off as rude, but I think they're very valuable because this is a lot of things that are happening and we need to have these uncomfortable conversations Yep. because just like when all of us are in the gym, just like when you're in the gym, like you said before, you don't get bigger, you don't get stronger, you don't get faster unless you are uncomfortable, unless you are, are in low pain. So hopefully... Some of them may seem basic, but the fact that they came in means that other people are thinking about them. So yep. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe maybe they're still out there because if one person asks, usually ten other people will. So, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so let's uh, let's start with the probably the, the easiest one, or the one that came in the most. There's two that came in the most, and I'll start with those two. Okay. One is using the N word. Okay. There's two kind of thought. There are a bunch of different questions, kind of worded. So I want to kind of put them together. One is. How come you, if you don't like the word, how come you keep using it? But I, and then there's another kind of same thing. Why do you, why do black people always use it if you don't want between each other, if you don't want to be called it? So kind of what's your thought process on that? using the Yeah. Like, so, um, 
so I do use it with my friends or when I'm making a funny joke and stuff like that. And that's just a cultural thing. Um, and reason why, honestly, why people can't use it because it came from hate, <laughs> right? Back in the slavery days and stuff like that. And usually when people, when white people say it, like it comes from a hate, like a hateful emotion yeah. that you spit at, right? To be completely honest, I think we should totally get rid of it. But at the same time, like, I'm not perfect. I use it sometimes for my family members. And I think in Black culture, we try to switch it and try to use it as a positive thing by using it for our own and using it in rap lyrics and stuff like that. And be like, hey, we can call ourselves this. But like, but we just think like people of different color like, that use it, like it's, it, it's coming from a hatred kind of thing. Yeah. Obviously, it was developed back in the slavery days and, and back then. I think we should totally get rid of it, honestly. Um, but... Who knows yeah. for, for sure, you know? Uh, one thing that I will say on that topic is that um, obviously I don't use that word and it's difficult because I, there's, I write a lot of Eminem's rhymes and a lot yeah. of uh, uh, Drake's rhymes and I, and I write a lot of these people, right? They don't know that I'm, I'm a silent partner. Yeah. <laughs> so it's tough for me when the songs come on. So it, it mess it fucks with my flow a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. So in all seriousness, the one thing that I will say is that, it is that root word is deep rooted in hate. It is. However, the black community has taken that word and flipped it to mean something positive. So I think yeah. that's a real cool thing to, to see because that's a, there's a lot of weight in that word. There is. There is. That. So that, that is kind of cool. So we'll say that. Yeah, it, it is like, a, it's uh, I mean, my wife's Japanese. Like I was like, Oh, that Jap, like that's you, you're not, you're not supposed to say that. Yeah. That, 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 like just saying Jap and not Japanese is a very hatred thing to say. So I would never use it, you know? Um, but like you said, like it's, it's, I, I, I think black people have done a very good job of flipping a lot of negative things into positives. Sure. And that's just one of them, you know? Um, one of the things like there's a special called black AF on Netflix is hilarious. Cause uh, Kendra Barris created it. And he also created blackish, barbershop and chat like a lot of black cinemas you know and uh they're like why do black people always wear a lot of gold chains and stuff like that and community he goes like well it's better than the chains that we used to wear back in the day ain't it like ain't it like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know yeah. I, it's just, it's just one of those situations you know like yeah no, yeah so this next one this was if this was only submitted once but i put this in there because it was submitted by a psychologist gotcha questioning may be simplistic but i wonder what you think about about it because i i don't know but that's why i'm asking yeah. so one of the things and it's a real long she's a psychologist so it's a real long one so i'll kind of i got you uh, short it up so she basically was saying should we not should we stop referring to people as black and white would that cut down some of the racism and she goes on in this paragraph to say you know, you would never, like when you're talking about, about me to, you know, our friend Pat, like if you didn't know. You're like Josh. You'd never be like, hey, that's Josh with uh, brown hair. You know Josh with yeah. brown hair? So <laughs> yeah. and, or like you talked about in the beginning, hey, you know Black Ian? Yeah. So it sounds simplistic, but I wonder what you think about that as far as kind of stop referring to the outside and using that as a, as a adjective to describe somebody yeah um i i can go both ways with it uh because like i i'm a huge believer that like maybe we, 
I, I definitely think we shouldn't, especially in like job applications when you have to submit your race and stuff like that. Like it's like, like it's fucked up, right? Like, and, and, and I feel bad for the kids that were, I had a stepsister growing up and then we split apart because our family got divorced. Like she was mixed. So like she had to put other, like, does it really matter? Like you're a human being. But at the same time though, too, though, like we are different colors for a reason. And I think it's a very beautiful thing. Um, there's one thing that people say that you really get someone like, I'm not racist. I don't see color, but you're not colorblind, you know, right. you see color. So just embrace it as it is, you know? So yeah, like I, 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 I totally wish we can definitely get away, uh, get rid of it, you know, to be honest. Like I, I probably feel better that way, but like it's, sometimes it's just really hard to describe somebody like, you know, like I, but I understand where she's coming from though, too, yeah. you know? Totally. Yeah, it's one of those things. I think at this turning point in our society, I feel that our kids will have that. Hopefully, it's going in the right direction. So our kids' generation, it's just, hey, my buddy Ian, hey, my buddy Josh, hey, my butt, my buddy Steve Wong. You know, doesn't yeah, and it and it already is, and it already is. You know, like there's that cute video of the two uh, white and black kids running when they see each other and they yes. see each other. Amazing. And, and then there's an amazing story of there's uh, Jamal and and Drake, and Drake's a white kid, right? Um, so I had to describe him as white, right? So uh, and uh, Jamal's black, and they're at elementary school. They're already talking to each other on the phone. They're like, "What outfit are you wearing tomorrow?" So Jamal got a fade haircut, you know? So Drake wanted to get a fade haircut, right? And they wore the same outfit and they sat next to each other and they kept on looking at the, te- at the teacher, just smiling ear to ear. And reason why they did that, because they wanted to trick the teacher because they didn't want to tell which one is who from a part. Uh, they literally didn't see it. That's, that's freaking amazing. That's like, you know, like it's, that's it's what I, hope and I definitely like, like, that's why I say like racism is, is, it's taught, right? Like it's, it's, uh, but I, I already think we're already moving that direction because I've been so proud. Like the people that did that organized the 500 people protest in Newport was two 12 year olds. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So cool. like we're already in a direction. I, so ne- next question. So this one here, you hear, once again, this was a little, real long question. So I'll try to summarize yep. it. You hear a lot of, how come black people only care about white on black crime? How come no one ever talks about black on black crime? Uh, well, it's, uh, I, I just think it's the times now, right now. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I think, uh, especially with everything going on, um, because I think, I mean, black on black crimes happen and it's, and it's terrible and it's bad. And I, I think like, and I always believe like a life is a life. Like, honestly, systematic racism, and police brutality is, way above (laughs) like way above black on black crime right now like and and it has been for over 400 years you know and i I, that's why it's an issue like right like that's why it's a huge issue because like it's hey let's let's try to bring down the system and make some big changes before we talk about black on black crime right because like it's just like hey we've been enslaved and a lot of people can't get jobs stuff like that and yeah. And probably a lot of black and black clients happen because like they live in a low income neighborhood and like, I got to do what I got to do to feed my family. Like you guys shouldn't be there in the first place, right? If everything was equal, maybe less crime would happen in the first place, you know? Exactly. So like it's, that's where it stems from to yeah. be honest, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. That's not to rehash what we already talked about, but that's the right. other thing is like, 
these, you hear that, that term all, all the time, crime-ridden areas. Well, the crime-ridden, because of the the system that it's been into, you know, yeah, yeah, no yeah. education, they don't have any any uh, money coming in, the taxes coming in, all this stuff. It's like a much bigger issue. It's not just you have a bunch of people that just want to go fuck around and, and fuck shit up. No, they're yeah. back to do a fucking corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they have nothing else to do. And so it's just not yeah, you have no choice. equal. It would not have been that. But all things being equal from the start, not from right. 100 years later. So and then just last one and then I'll get, get you out of here. And it's a little bit of a simplistic one, but it, I got it four times. So it's interesting. Okay. How, how would you like to be referred to African-American or black or what do you think white people should call black, black, black? Yeah. And black is uh, like it's it's. Because we have a lot of Africans that live in this country too, and a lot of Nigerians and stuff like that, you know. Um, I I think it's just black because uh, it's it's way more powerful, and that's that's like just that's just the color of our skin. So we're black, you know. Like we don't like being like we're from Americans, you know, and stuff like that. Like and and America has so many different breeds. Like white people, like they're German, Swedish, stuff like that. Like yeah. you know, um, we just like black, to be honest. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, I just have um, two last questions for you, yes. and then I'll get you out of there. But before I do, let everybody know where can they find you? Social media? How do they get the shirts? How do they? You got? How do you get the masks? Where yeah, they- yeah, yeah. So I have uh, ianbutlermma.com, and right there I always have a slash uh, BLM, right? Um, and so you can just go to ianbutlermma.com, or you can go on my social media at ianbutlermma on Instagram or Twitter, and I always have I have a link in the bio. And on my stories, you can always just swipe up and go. And you can buy the shirts and masks from there. I have, um, so the Black Lives Matter and and the, the fist of the mask, uh, we will not be silenced. We'll all go to NAACP and Color Change. And also I have a different organization for the Black Pride shirts. And then um, I have a thing I'm planning for my organization, Fight for Change, where we're taking, obviously because of the pandemic, we had to switch stuff around. Um, yeah. We're taking... 50 unprivileged black kids right now and doing an event for them and having, so we're taking donations um, right now and we're having a lot of black speakers, therapists, and, and um, also guidance counselors because um, it's really hard being black in America right now. Right. Like, and it's pretty scary, you know, and, um, and the reason why I started this event is I always get back to my community. I always get back to the homeless community too. Uh, obviously, I have to prepare for fighting right now because UFC might call anytime and I have to go. So I've been boxing a lot. And um, I had one of the greatest days in my life by boxing. And I should feel on cloud nine. And when you feel on cloud nine, when you have those epiphany moments and you're finally learning, you feel like you just do anything. I think I almost ran for president that day. Uh- and I just felt great. And it all stopped when I had to get in my car and I seen a cop across the street, right? And then there are lynchings and hangings going on right now, right? Which is extremely scary, you know? Not in my lifetime I ever feel like I will ever see a lynching or hanging, but they're happening. It's scary, man. But I also have the resources that I can talk to a mental coach. I can talk to my therapist. I can go to the German box. And I also realized if I was the younger Ian back in the day, I didn't have the resources. So if I'm scared, these kids must be terrified. Sure. You know, so I decided to plan an event that the kids can also have fun and not think about what's going on right now. And but not also that they can leave with resources. So that's why I'm going to have therapists and guidance counselors talk. So not only do they have a day of fun, but they can leave with resources, not only for that day, but they can take for the rest of their lives. So if you want to get involved with that, right, you can just email me at Ian Butler MMA at Gmail. We're looking for location, stuff like that. We have the social distance. 
this event we're actually gonna I'm gonna do it every single year. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> well, we'll kind of end on just two last things. I saw this this quote and I thought it worked perfectly. This is the one thing that I want to get to everybody listening. And it's a quote by LBJ. It says, "You can't shackle and chain someone for hundreds of years, liberate them to be completely free, and then just believe that everything will be fair." It's true. It's. I think that is so quintessential to things right now is, hey, some of us have had, we've been at a starting line and someone held you back from getting off the blocks for 200 yeah. plus years, 400 years, and I've been running free and it just can't, it can't expect you just to fall right up after that. So I thought that was just a, a, a quote that really hit me and I quote that I think if the listeners will hear again or rewind and play again may have them think just a little bit different of like, Oh, there's a so much more backlog to this for sure seeing right now. Um, then lastly, what, what would you say? What advice would you say to the world right now? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, obviously right. I always look stuff in a positive light. Right. And, people think the world is crazy right now and it is especially with the pandemic and stuff like that um one word i would say is like we're looking for a cure for the pandemic if it's a vaccine it's a quick shot but there's not a quick cure for racism so it's going to take years upon years upon years but we're also in the right direction though too you have to teach your kids very very young and i think like a lot of these parents have done a wonderful job I think these protests have been beautiful because in the pandemic, it was all like, hashtag, we're all in this together, right? And when, when the protests were happening, they're like, we're all in this together. I think we're definitely going to be fine. I, I think if you really want to help somebody and you can't afford it, right, I think you should just share what's going on. Because if you share, it will spread awareness, you know, and if you lose friends, you lose friends. They're not supposed to be in your life anyway. You know, um, I uh, see life as a tree. Like you want to have a lot of big branches in your life. You don't want a twig because if a strong, if a strong storm comes, those branches, those little twigs are going to blow off anyway, you know? And I, I think you should, if anybody has a black friend or, or a good friend, like you should reach out and ask them how they're doing because it's really stressful in America right now. But um, we're getting close to fixing a lot of things, you know? So I think everybody should, dive in deeply of who's going to be in office, like, well, not even just an office for presidency, who's going to be your mayor, who's going to be like stuff like that, who's going to be your police chief, like, we really got to start diving deep, you know, and, and if we fix those things, I think we're, we'll be all right. And then I think America will finally stand as one of the greatest countries that in the world. Yeah, well, brother, I appreciate you coming on. And just from from Josh to Ian, it takes a, a really tough man to get in the cage but it takes a monumental giant to stand out in front of some of these things and put your name out there. It's like we said in the beginning, not everybody's doing that. Yeah. So yeah. very, very proud. And I'm proud to know you. I'm proud of what you're doing. I'm proud that you have the fucking guts to stand out there and make a difference with your words and actions because very few people are willing to do that. So I feel really proud as a man and as a human being for sure. So I appreciate it. No, I appreciate it, man. <laughs> Thanks brother. I appreciate it. Ain't no problem. <laughs>